The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, I very much enjoyed uh, my discussion last hour with uh, Beaudre and Sean of iHealCollective.com. She'll be speaking at thegreaterreset.org. So if you missed it, check the archives. And uh, again, I'll be at The Greater Reset in a couple of weeks in, in, in uh, Mexico. So make it, if you can make it, come on down. Uh, let's see what's going on in the world. Sonia Poulton, uh, I'm a fan uh, of her work. She just uh, shared yesterday. She says, please note, buy me a coffee, have suspended my account for saying there is a danger for pregnant women taking the COVID vaccine. This is fact, not conspiracy. Buy, buy me a coffee will be held accountable for their promotion of harm. Thank you, everyone who bought me a coffee. May buy me a coffee, reap what it has sown. She says later on that they did reinstate her, but that after they did, she ended up closing her account. And it's interesting, again, a lot of us, um, I use buy me a coffee. You know, I was on Patreon, I got terminated. I was on PayPal, I got terminated. Uh, so, I, you know, buy me a coffee. Uh, and I guess I might end up switching from them. There are... Uh, Still are alternatives like uh, I think uh, the one she's using, Kofi. Uh, let me see, um, with a K O F I, something something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's the right thing to do, ethical thing to do to companies that have shown uh, they censor. Linktree is another one that was brought to my attention yesterday by my recent guest, Gabriel Custodiate of Watchman Privacy. Linktree, which I have. I paid for the first year and I'm, I'm using the free version now. They removed my BitChute link. So they won't let you post BitChute. And I know some people have been deplatformed by Linktree from Linktree uh, as well. And so uh, there's Liberty Links. So I think I'm, I'm going to switch from Linktree to Liberty Links or something like that. Uh, and probably from Buy Me a Coffee. This is one of the solutions to the Great Reset. And you know what people at Greater Reset talk about as well. Boycott. Pull your money out of these cursed corporations don't give them uh money and shame them shame, absolutely shame on them so good on sonia Poulton. uh the ecb this uh, you know cy cyber polygon news ecb to conduct mock cyber attacks at 109 banks or should i say simulate ecb to run the cyber Simulation, basically Cyber Polygon, the simulation, the ECB, European, European Central Bank, will stress test 109 banks over the next 12 months to see if they're adequately, adequately prepared for Cobra Commander Klaus Schwab's Cyber Polygon. I mean, they didn't really say that, but we that's really what's, what's, what's going on. The bank's response and recovery capabilities will be prioritized, not the potential to prevent incidents. So they're basically preparing to survive the coming digital storm not to prevent it because it's it's coming um this is a crazy story again i got this from gabriel gabriel custodiates uh feed watchmanprivacy.com he's uh he was my guest earlier privacy expert 
This is nuts. 2024 IRS tax reporting rule on crypto transactions above $10,000 sparks controversy. The IRS now requires anyone who receives at least $10,000 in crypto to report transaction info to the IRS. This includes the name, address, social security of the sender. Doesn't make sense. Um, when you receive crypto, you don't know who's sending it to you. So it's like the IRS might as well ask me to give them a piece of the moon or something like I, I can't give you the sender's name. I don't know who it is. Social Security. They're not even American sometimes. And 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 then it says those who file to fail to file a report within 15 days of a transaction could be charged with a felony offense. You know, usually you report crypto stuff to the IRS once a year. So if you get like crypto or if you reach the 10,000 threshold, you've got two weeks to report. Where do you even report to IRS, uh, you know, every two weeks or every month. It's just nuts. It like, doesn't make any sense. You can't even comply with this. So if you get crypto to the tune of 10 grand, you're basically de facto a felon. Now, according to the IRS, you can't even comply with their diktat, with their edicts. They don't want alternatives to CBDCs. Um, absolutely crazy. Absolute insanity. Um, here is a steamy story high-end uh high-end sex ring in boston and dc which i mentioned a few weeks ago uh it's being reported that uh, that this high-end sex ring was a honeypot scheme by russia china south korea or even israel to ensnare u.s officials intelligence experts believe intelligence experts are becoming increasingly convinced that six high-end brothels in the suburbs of boston and dc were set up by a foreign nation as an espionage honey trap Captain Obvious, that's what that's what goes on. <laughs> uh, spy games uh, right there. So that's interesting. And uh, this was also interesting from memory. It says, a Chinese professor last month, military expert Yun Hua, he um, said that what the Houthis have done uh, in the Red Sea, what the Houthis have done, uh, they've done China a big favor by having indirectly accelerated the shift from maritime to land transportation for Euro Eurasian trade. He elaborated that this shift will likely benefit China's Belt and Road, which contributes to China's international strategy to sever U.S. hegemony, undermine American sea power, and promote global multipolarity. We did see Israel as well switch from the maritime to the land route, um, going overland through the uh, Saudi Arabia and elsewhere. Uh, so a lot of stuff is popping off, especially with the shipping and um, Turkey backs South Africa genocide case against Israel at ICJ. And Sergei Karaganov, Russian intellectual, says the elites of Western Europe in a, are in a state of historical failure uh, and that the threat Western Europe now presents is that the old world has lost its fear of armed conflict and that is very, very dangerous. They, we, the West, are now sliding towards an inevitable march towards fascism all right a wonderful future we have to look forward to do you have a suggestion for a possible guest or host you want to hear on tnt or topics you want us to discuss we love hearing from you fill out the suggestion form at tntradio.live or you can email any uh, individual presenter like myself just go to my go to my contact form uh, write in whatever you want to write in uh, hate mail love mail criticism suggestions questions uh, help us make a difference on TNT. 
keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. On Tuesday, the U.S. denounced controversial comments by two far-right Israeli ministers who said Palestinians should be encouraged to emigrate from Gaza. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Hey, Sabori. What on earth does encourage mean, right? Um, wow. Uh, so uh, the Biden administration continues to clash with Israel over its Gaza war policy, especially on the question of the what's being called the day after. Uh, this is after Hamas is eliminated from the face of the planet, or at least from the Gaza Strip. Uh, so there's a lot of question as to what happens after that. Um, little early uh, for this, in my opinion. But the White House, uh, for their part, has sought to advance a plan that would see the West Bank-based Palestinian Authority, the PA, under Mahmoud Abbas, eventually take control of the Strip. Prime Minister Netanyahu has been adamant in rejecting that, of course. Uh, As far as he's concerned, the PA are terror sympathizers and supporters. And now this. Uh, Apparently, uh, Washington has come out and condemned remarks by two top Israeli ministers who have expressed a policy of fostering the migration, we'll call it, of Palestinians from the Strip, i.e. kick them out. Uh, Hardline Finance Minister Bezalel Smotrich and Minister of National Security Itamar Ben-Gavir both said on Monday they not only want to, quote, encourage the migration, end quote, of Palestinians from Gaza, but they want to pretty much at the same time uh, begin establishing Jewish settlements in place of Palestinian homes. Just came right out and said it. Uh, In October, a UN expert warned that Israel's actions were tantamount to textbook ethnic cleansing, given it sets forth a systematic vision of expelling people from their homes and lands based on ethnicity. So they're basically just admitting to it. Um, according to uh, a translation, this is from the Times of Israel. Here's what they had to say, quoting from the Times of Israel here. The war presents, quote, an opportunity to concentrate on encouraging the migration of the residents of Gaza, end quote. This is what Ben Gavir told reporters and members of his far-right Otsma Yehudit party calling such a policy, quote, a correct, just, moral, and humane solution. He said, quote, we cannot withdraw from any territory we are in in the Gaza Strip. Not only do I not rule out Jewish settlements there, I believe it is also an important thing, end quote. The quote unquote correct solution to the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict is, quote, to encourage the voluntary migration of Gaza's residents to countries that will agree to take in the refugees, end quote. This is what Smotrich told members of his religious Zionism party, predicting that, quote, Israel will permanently control the territory of the Gaza Strip, end quote, including through the establishment of settlements. Supporters of this plan, uh, that's the end of that part. Um, Supporters of the plan have uh, previously urged Arab countries like Egypt or Qatar to take in the expelled Palestinians, Arab leaders have reacted fiercely against the statements, rejecting that it's so much as a possibility that can be broached. Uh, Importantly, the U.S. State Department issued the following swift rebuke on the same day the statements were made by the Israeli officials. 
This is coming from State Department spokesman Matt Miller at a briefing, quote, the United States rejects recent statements from Israeli ministers Bezalel Smotrich and Idamar Ben-Gvir advocating for the resettlement of Palestinians outside of Gaza. This rhetoric is inflammatory and irresponsible, end quote. Oh, my. Does that mean, uh, Harori, that State Department spokesman Matt Miller is anti-Semitic or something? Who knows? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw this tweet uh, yesterday. I, I did actually retweet it by, um, what's his name, Ben uh, Ben Gvir. And I, I did see some clips, and I think, uh, you know, Stephen Molyneux was inter, um, interviewing um, an Israeli hardliner, uh, you know, the, the famed Canadian philosopher who later got deplatformed, um, and, and other clips. And it just object. This is objective. Uh, I'm looking at it objectively. Uh, the, the the logic where Stephen Molyneux is asking this Israeli hardliner. I mean, who uses the term anti-Semite or racist? So it's okay to flood our nations with foreigners, different races. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm, look, I'm Mexican. You can't call me anything, <laughs> but, um, but Israel, you can't, you know, and he asks him the question. He's like, so we can flood Canada and USA with the, the whole world doesn't matter. Uh, but you can't, you know, would you accept that in Israel? And he's like, no, well, why not? Are you racist? You know, you, you know what I'm saying? And so I, my problem here is the double standard, the double standard of the hypocrisy. That's the problem. You can't say, oh, we can do it, but you can't. And if you don't want to, you're racist, you're anti-Semitic. I'm not playing that game anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just it's just coming out. It's the, the, the truth now. And uh, I'm going back to that article from The Cradle, which uh, it just seems it says uh, we're going to see more war. And the analyst says as uh, the, the third stage uh, of this is coming. The occupation army intends to maintain a geographical buffer surrounding the northern Gaza Strip. It also plans to continue occupying the Gaza Valley area, central Gaza, while completing its operations in Han Yunis in the south. Your, your further thoughts, Ruckus? Everything is so messed up with this conflict. It really sucks. It, because I mean, it's so, such a sensitive issue, and we have the, the religious thing. And yeah, we all just want to say the obvious common sense thing, which is it doesn't matter who you are. Where you come from, none of it matters. You do not indiscriminately bomb civilians in response to this. This is the wrong approach, and everybody knows it. The world knows it, and and Israel is going to pay a price for that. Unfortunately, one day, if it, at the worst, I don't mean that what that sounds, but what I mean is like it's going to be so hard for them to redeem themselves in the eyes and the hearts and the minds of people uh, when this is all said and done, especially with talk like this. So I'm not surprised that the United States has to take some sort of official stance and take a step back. But as you point out, the hypocrisy of it, I mean, if you if you said that you point out the things that this one country is allowed to do or is getting away with or has been doing what's okay for them or what's not okay for them versus what's going on all around the world. You're like, well, wait a minute. Why does one place seem to be being treated completely different than the rest of the world. And and I mean, come on, it's so obvious at this point. So this really needs to be addressed differently. And, and I, I hope things get fixed soon before it's too late because the, the Muslim world is just not gonna stand for it much longer. There's gonna be some stuff popping off, Iran, the US, World War Three, you name it. It's the end of the world, people, if we don't, you know, <laughs> cooler heads need to prevail soon. That's all I gotta say. You are R-E-M. Um... 
and there was a great tweet by Robin Manotti uh, who shared this um, cartoon from Vietnam, 1975. Uh, they're having problems with their economy again and shows uh, uh, Vietnamese villagers and the uh, uh, American military planes flying um, over. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, continue tracking this un, uh, insane situation. The, um, 2024, it's, it's going to be absolutely crazy. All right, Ruckus, uh, catch up with you. Tomorrow, we got Stuart J. Hooper returning to the program. As always, we welcome uh, your calls into the program or uh, questions through the chat or uh, email. We'll be right back. TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I... If I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2% you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control 
and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. We are back with uh, Stuart J. Hooper, lecturer, PhD, researcher who studies the military industrial complex, elites, war, and globalism. Follow him uh, on Twitter, X at Stuart J. Hooper, and do subscribe to his Pentagon Tube channel, YouTube, Stuart J. Hooper. How's it going? Happy New Year, Stuart. Happy New Year to you as well. Very great to be back here. Um, and uh, yeah, just looking at the, the current state of the world and the continuing state of warfare uh, in the world, which seems to be never ending at this point, of course. Uh, we've got wars that are continuing to um, rage as violently as ever. Had a tremendously uh, devastating attack on New Year's Eve from Israel on Gaza, which I think was the most devastating single strike in the history of this uh, current breakout of this conflict so far. So lots of uh, violence to ring in Christmas and the New Year. Yeah, we had also Israel right in in Beirut, suburbs in Lebanon taking out resistance leaders. Uh, I think Ukraine um, hit parts of um, was it Russia or Russian forces? Then Russia hit some Ukrainian military installations. Then we have this terror attack in Iran now that killed a hundred, and it's most likely Washington. And it's funny the Biden spokesperson comes out and says. It, it, it wasn't us. It wasn't Israel or U.S. Who else is it going to be? But I, I thought I'd start you. you know, I, I really enjoyed your uh, recent tweet from New Year's Eve where you're, quote, tweeting uh, uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Foreign Affairs. Uh, and in one, one of their articles, it says, Europeans cannot escape the geography of our continents. We are not separated by a vast ocean from the war. Thus, we do not have a choice but to ensure a Ukrainian victory. It's our collective peaceful European order that is under attack by Russia and you say maybe foreign affairs and New Year's New Year's resolution could be to stop living in fantasy land. There is no Ukrainian victory. NATO expansion is the cause of this chaos. No more money for globalist uh, proxy wars, especially those that might cause World War Three. Your further thoughts, uh, Stuart? Yeah, I mean this is a. Uh... A very unfortunate series of tit for tat attacks that have now happened between the Ukrainians and the Russians. And this most recent um, instance of this back and forth was a Ukrainian strike on a Russian ship, um, successful strike on a Russian ship. Well, okay, great. And you had the people on Twitter that are all about Ukraine raving about this and how great this attack on the Russian ship was. And it was a victory for Ukraine. It proves that they could win. Well, what did Russia do the very next day? They unleashed the largest drone attack on Ukraine since the start of the war, and uh, along with uh, a series of different types of missiles, and they caused utter destruction. And so how did Ukraine respond to that? Well, they launched the missiles into a Russian city, Belgorod, right there on the border, and they killed a bunch of people um, in Russia. And then what did Russia do? They launched some more drones and missiles back into Ukraine, and here we go back and forth uh, with a cycle of violence that is 
um, absolutely annihilating civilian populations and achieving absolutely no military objectives whatsoever. So this is the um, current state of the war in Ukraine. It is a meaningless tit-for-tat series of attacks back and forth um, that are achieving no military objectives whatsoever. Um, they're still in a stalemate in the overall scheme of things, and there needs to be a resolution to this conflict sooner rather than later. And evidently at this point, that's only going to come via diplomacy. That's only going to come by the two sides talking to one another and figuring this out. Um, and how they figure it out, I think we may need some creative solutions here. Um, does Ukraine have to give up territory? Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't think that's uh, a guarantee um, on either way right now, because unless you're even having those discussions, yeah, well, you can't say for sure that Ukraine is going to have to give up territory or it's not going to have to give up territory, right? We need to actually have the discussions, have people being serious uh, about bringing this war to an end and going from there. Uh, now, of course, that requires both sides to be serious. Putin needs to be serious as well uh, about ending it. And I think at this point, um, there have been uh, numerous reports that he is more willing than ever uh, to bring this war to an end. Um, why that may be, uh, I'm not sure entirely, but um, it's definitely looking like uh, the time for someone or something to step in and do something to wrap this up. I think the war in Ukraine has clearly reached um, where it's going to go, um, which is nowhere. Um, so now both sides need to accept that and they need to move on. Yeah, and, and just uh, one th more thing I'd add there. Uh, you know, I read everything. The pro-Western Atlantic Council, as you cited, Council on Foreign Relations stuff, the RT, and the Kremlin skeptics, and one of the things that the Kremlin skeptics... So these are people that I'm talking about that are anti-system, uh, anti-globalist dissidents, uh, who were initially kind of pro-Russian conservative, but now they're putting the collective Kremlin in the camp with the globalists, kind of, because they're pointing out how uh, if Russia really wanted to, uh, advance the war, defeat Ukraine, they could, but they're not doing it, which is they're, they're asking why. And I think that what you just mentioned, you know, R Russia's retaliations, like if the Kremlin really wanted to or Putin, they could do all this crazy stuff and, and finish the war, but they're not. And, you know, when they get a strike and then they retaliate and do, they do all these hits on the Ukrainian military installations that they, they could have done beforehand which you know it could have hurried up and finished this war but they're not so they're they're playing some strange game and which which you know makes a lot of pe people rightfully uh skeptical about uh, what you know putin and russia are uh really trying to do it's time for our headlines be right back and here's the news extra extra tnt radio news for tnt this is james o'neill the U.S. House of Representatives is gearing up to initiate impeachment proceedings against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. A coalition led by the United States and comprising around a dozen countries issued a stern warning to the Houthi group in Yemen amid heightened tensions in the Middle East due to the Israel-Hamas conflict. A video timeline produced by January 6, 2021 Capitol protesters shows a clearer picture of the shooting death of Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt by a Capitol Police officer. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Do 
follow our guest Stuart J. Hooper on Twitter X and Pentagon Tube U tube that's stuart uh, as an s-t-u-a-r-t-j hooper both on x and youtube uh i had my my most recent podcast with vietnam bet bob mariarty i had to only upload a two-minute clip to youtube because i'm almost certain that youtube would have given it uh, a strike because he questioned covid the vaccines the election uh and i think one of my past interviews with him did get a give me a strike and so you know, trying to get people to move over to my Rumble. Um, and there are just so many other pl platforms. Odyssey, Rockfin, Brighton, BitChute. Um, I can't even rem remember them all. Uh, and so we need to get people used to going to TNT Radio or other alternative platforms. And just something you mentioned, Stuart, I don't know if you caught this article. This was, I think, from December 27th, going off of memory. New York Times published an op-ed talking about, well... And, and, you know, New York Times is the mouthpiece for the Pentagon uh, and CIA. And the New York Times was saying, well, you know, maybe Russia can keep some of the territory that it's taken from Ukraine and Ukraine should just, you know, take that bad deal and end the war and and, and have peace talks. So th that's a pretty big sign, wouldn't you say, that, 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 that they're signaling there, um, you know, from the Pentagon? Yeah, so that's usually how you can uh, get a grasp on what is going on behind the scenes at the Pentagon and places like this, because they do leak things deliberately to these sorts of media outlets, especially places like the New York Times, like the Washington Post. When they come out with a big exclusive headline, that can often be from the internal discussions from within the deep state um, that have, again, been deliberately leaked. So they're trying to put this out there uh, into the ether um, as essentially to try to plant the seed of this is the direction that we're now going to go in. Um, this is what's going to come next. So yes, that could be something that is now being seriously considered um, in the Pentagon, in the deep state, behind the scenes of the American military structure, um, because they too have now come to the realization uh, that Ukraine is stuck in the mud here. Um, Russia is stuck in the mud. Yes, they could go um, overboard with air attacks and things like that. Um, but again, when it comes to doing something like that, um, what does that mean for you? Well, go and ask Israel. Israel is a prime example of what that means. When you go overboard and start attacking everyone and everything, you irreparably damage your international image. Um, you irreparably damage um, your ability to perhaps do business with certain countries and certain places in the world. So it is in Putin's interest to actually keep this as a military conflict as opposed to a genocide or an ethnic cleansing or something like that. That isn't going to do him any good in the long run. He's probably going to get more domestic opposition to something like that. Um, so I don't think it makes sense for him to do that. But yeah, some kind of negotiated settlement, I think that's the way forward. Um, I think that, um, earlier in the conflict, he probably could have made the case easier that Ukraine wouldn't have to give up territory. But now perhaps maybe they do just because of how much time has passed. Um, we had the annexation of these uh, essentially Ukrainian states um, to become part of Russia. You could say that, yeah, maybe this has all gone too far and it's almost a done deal that there's going to have to be um, something that's given up to Russia as a result of all of this. Um, but I think the, the big thing for the Ukrainian side is going to have to be some guarantee that we're not going to join NATO. 
Now, <laughs> this is going to be the real sticking point for the West. And in terms of letting the Ukrainians even pursue this line of talk, even to consider this line of thinking, right? Well, are they going to be willing to let Ukraine make this promise that it's not going to join NATO. Um, because again, if you make a big promise like that, that's setting the global stage up um, for some potential dominoes collapsing in some not so nice directions. Um, if that does happen, or if it doesn't happen, or if it does happen and then they renege on the promise 10, 20, uh, maybe even just a couple of years down the line, right? Um, what happens after that? How does Russia respond then? Um, so you are potentially opening the door to some very big problems, even if you do give them that guarantee. What's going to happen in domestic Ukrainian politics between now and 10 years into the future? Is there going to be some pro-NATO faction that's elected, if they ever allow elections again, that is, of course. Um, is there going to be some pro-NATO faction that gets elected and has massive Ukrainian support, but now they've made this promise? Well, are they going to renege on it? So that even making these promises, you can't predict the future, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, as much as political scientists would love to think that they can predict the future, uh, they cannot. Um, and that is my profession, by the way. Um, yeah, we cannot predict the future. We do not know what's going to happen um, in the future. <clears throat> so doing anything at this point is is going to be dangerous and unpredictable in some way. But doing something to move towards peace and diplomacy is probably better than doing nothing. Um, it's like, um, what was his name? Not Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, when he said, yeah, the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. Well, yeah, that's going to be the case here. And the problem with this case is that the unknown unknowns may be thermonuclear. Right, that's what really differentiates the the conflict in Ukraine from most other things. Um, so there's lots of lots of issues with this overall on a grand scale, but hopefully we'll see that it can move forward in a positive direction, and hopefully Israel can uh, maybe uh, use that as an incentive to follow in the same diplomatic direction. Good old Adani. Good old. We're missing. The Pentagon is missing two point three trillion dollars on September tenth, two thousand. And one, I, th I think that's what it was. Um, and, and as you say, it's also key. It's key the guarantees for Russia. They've said themselves now. You know, Minsk one, two, um, the nuclear treaties, open skies, um, INF, whatever, everything that's just been torn apart by the U.S. administrations. Russia, if there were a, a new treaty, a new peace treaty, or some frozen conflict deal, um, who's to say that the West is just not going to, you know, stab Russia in the back? uh again so i don't know how that's going to move forward and, and just as you were talking you know ukraine joining nato i was just you know i was just trying to visualize in my mind think you know why is it so important for russia ukraine russia slavs the history um ukraine can't join nato as well as from a strategic and military perspective you know throwing in um having the pentagon place uh missile different missiles uh, offensive defensive missiles nukes in in Ukraine which then creates a first strike de facto first strike situation for Russia uh, and and just imagine the reverse again all the people in the West it'd be like you know, I'm just going to use a silly example Canada and US where we're kind of brotherly Canada US it's like same culture same language same sort of settlers more or less hundreds of years ago uh and you know Canada's out there close not far from Russia and, and Eurasia and you know what if Russia wanted to incorporate 
uh, if Canada was up for signing on for the Eurasian, Russia's Eurasian Union, right? Canada becoming part of the, if Can Russia ran a coup in Canada, and then the Canadian puppet government said, let's join the Eurasian Union. How would America feel about that? And so that's sort of the situation we're in. And then you mentioned Israel, uh, you know, Israel, the situation out there, it's, uh, we might have a two front war now with Lebanon and then Gaza and then soon with Iran. Uh, and just a lot of people are pointing to uh, the, the signs. It's not good. It's not we're sort of in the eye of the storm now when it comes to um, Israel and, and your further thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a good thing to do uh, generally when you think about international politics is to do what you just did and make, make these counterfactuals, right? How would the US react if Canada suddenly became communist or suddenly aligned itself with the Chinese or the Russians or whoever it is? Um, aliens from outer space are invading Earth, right? Whoever it is, how would the US feel about that? Well, it would feel very angry and upset and it want to do something about it because it feels that it's a big, powerful country and it should be internationally respected and it should have a sphere of influence and all of this sort of stuff. Um, when it comes to uh, Israel and Lebanon, uh, I am less convinced than ever that Lebanon is going to get involved in this further than these little border skirmishes that it's been having since October the 8th. Um, I watched all of Hassan Nasrallah's speech today um, at the fourth anniversary gathering of General Soleimani's death. They have these massive gatherings now in Lebanon and Iran to commemorate um, that general's death, who, of course, Trump killed in a, in a uh, drone strike. Um, his speech overall was a, was a complete dud. Uh, it was a nothing. Um, he spoke extensively. It went on for about an hour. Um, and if you go and listen to it, the general gist of what he was trying to say is that all of the resistance factions, and he cites Syria, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon specifically, <clears throat> as the resistance um, factions versus um, Israel, he says that all of them operate independently, that there's no coordination between them, and that what they want to do is their own individual effort for the calls against Israel. Now, of course, is that true? No, not, not on a grand scale, right? Because, of course, and, and Yemen, of course, um, Iran is helping Yemen. Right, Iran is helping Syria. Iran is helping Lebanon. There's lots of stuff that's going on behind the scenes, weapon smuggling, um, financial smuggling. <clears throat> All of this stuff is going on. But the general point that he was making is essentially that uh, Gaza, Palestinians, you're on your own. Um, because we are individual entities in this resistance against Israel, and we will choose to react how we want to react, when we want to react. And he was essentially saying that unless there is some direct attack on the state of Lebanon or any individuals associated with um, the Lebanese government or Hezbollah um, itself specifically, well, then there would be an escalation. So he's saying there is not going to be an escalation as a result of this assassination that took place on a Hamas leader yesterday. He essentially is taking the position that, well, yeah, that happened and it was bad, but he was a Palestinian. He was a member of Hamas and Hamas can do what they want to do. And they're going to suffer the consequences for what they want to do as an individual entity. So he did not 
lay out some grand plan about bringing all of these countries together. He didn't lay out anything about um, general resistance to Israel across the board. He, of course, spoke very highly of what the Houthis have been doing, um, of what Hamas have been doing, um, because, again, he supports them. But it's it really doesn't go beyond rhetoric at this point. So there is not going to be some grand Lebanese Hezbollah intervention into Israel. I think if you're waiting for that to come, you're going to have a very long wait. Um, Hassan Nasrallah, Hezbollah, Lebanon generally, they seem to be prioritizing their own individual security as opposed to a collective Arab security, which he did again also speak of. He, he spoke about the Ummah, the idea of the general Islamic community that exists across the entire world. He spoke to this. But again, he says that it's the basically the responsibility of the individual resistance units to choose what they want to do as individual resistance units. So he's saying that we're all sovereign. Uh, we all believe in the same cause, but we're going to do what we think is right for us. So this, if if you're expecting some massive intervention from the North uh, against Israel, I wouldn't expect that anytime soon. That's not going to come. And I, I think that does speak to a bit of the the weakness, uh, you know, coming from uh, Iran. And, you know, they're also playing the long game. Then the global South and multipolar world, they're playing the long game because, uh, you know, in, in, in the end, you know, time is on their side and it seems like no one is keen to start the bar fight right the iranians are not against the beast the the, the pax americana so no one is keen yet to uh you know take us take take the first punch or, or stab or, or or first shot and so as as you said i think i i'd agree with your assessment but then on the flip side the question is whether um us or israel might launch the first strikes against um iran as we've seen time and time again uh in the 90s with iraq uh and uh many other places it's time for our break do follow stuart over at um x twitter and youtube stuart j hooper uh help him out uh share his analysis uh i listen uh to every video that he produces we'll be right back when a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring inspiring the work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes across all missions has never been more important and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible thank you together we change the world the nonprofit alliance when the world's endangered animals need help most when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost. The International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. 
See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. You're with Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment here with Stuart J. Hooper Lecturer, PhD uh, researcher. Follow him on X, Twitter, and uh, Pentagon Tube, as I like to call it, uh, YouTube. And, you know, just we're talking about Israel, Palestine, and one more issue there is I, I didn't get to some of the news items there there's a lot of fascinating people i follow kathleen tyson uh she comes out and says it's going to take the west a long time and a lot of higher debts to replace all the kits lost or used up in ukraine and israel the rest of the world might even secure a few years of peace during uh restocking of inventories and uh, also interesting us was the top natural gas lng exporter last year as it hit record levels and one of the comments is oh how convenient only through maybe 500,000 dead ukrainians one destroyed gas pipeline and de-industrial de-industrialized central europe no biggie you know we, we can sort of see the name of the game uh, there but also a report from telegraph today air threat warning red warships in the red sea are at 30 seconds notice to shoot the key ta- takeaway from the article is this is where things are getting interesting with three Chinese, four Indian, and two Iranian ships. Now they're all operating as independent groups with their own air pictures and fighting circuits. Then there are ships from the US and its friends, close and less close, mostly operating in some way under the International Operation Prosperity Guardian. Countries all have valid reasons for being there and under the very international law, Prosperity Guardian is set up to protect our entitled to be. So the problem is every time a warship or a task force turns up and acts independently, the risk of miscalculation goes up. You've also got uh, Market Watch today. Red Sea crisis highlights clear and present danger of wider war involving Iran and um, many more such articles. You know, any further thoughts on the Houthi rebels, Yemen, the the Red Sea supply lines? It, that doesn't. We've talked in the past about us plebs and serfs in this neo feudalism and and the middle class that's gonna be also a world of pain for us you know any further thoughts on on any of this yeah i mean uh what the houthis have done is uh remarkable right and not necessarily in a positive way um but remarkable nonetheless i mean we're talking about one of the poorest nations on planet earth um one of the um most um economically deprived places on planet earth uh, a nation that has been under attack uh, by saudi arabia for a decade um with british and american weapons um has been completely um eviscerated on a military political and economic level by saudi arabia again with these western weapons um and they have somehow some way shut down the red sea they have uh, shut down this key transit point uh, for global trade right they have shut down global industry they have um now essentially um caused um I mean, we're gonna have to wait to find out the exact number but millions if not billions in economic damage um around the world as a result of all of the changes that have now got to take place um for shipping schedules production schedules all of this sort of stuff it was all going up in the air as a result of this um and <clears throat> you've had this operation prosperity guardian and not a lot of countries that you perhaps would expect have actually really jumped on board with this um and interesting just the very name of this whole thing prosperity 
Guardian at a time when over 20,000 people are now dead in Gaza. Um, what does the US want to do? Well, it wants to go and defend prosperity. <laughs> it doesn't want to go and defend those people. It wants to defend prosperity. It wants to de defend transnational corporations. Um, it wants to um, protect um, economic globalization um, and all of the um, globalist elites that benefit from all of this. Um, it does not care about um, the Palestinian people. It does not care about Gaza. It cares about um, global trade before anything else. Um, so it really goes to show you when the chips are down, <clears throat> who the US really cares about and who is really um, on the receiving end of the benefits of the US government. It is not global humanity. It is transnational capital. Um, and you've had lots of uh, shipping companies that have now said they're not going through here. Um, Maersk has come back and said, well, we're not going through. We are going through. Now we're not going through. So this, again, is just a disaster in terms of global trade. If this had happened in, say, June, July, August of last year, um, this past Christmas would have been a complete nightmare for Europe. Um, so the fact that it happened after the summer months meant that everything that needed to be here for um christmas right for for santa to arrive with presents well that was already there um i think if that had again occurred earlier you'd have had much greater uproar from the general public um about uh well what are we gonna do this is ruining christmas so on and so forth right you'd had more public opinion uh, opposing all of this and expecting the west to do more about it um but we dodged that bullet so to speak now, also, um, when you have these Houthi attacks, what they're doing is also probably not wise in a general sense because they have now launched direct attacks on American ships and they have tried to fight back against American helicopters. Now, this is not going to go well, and it did not go well for the Houthis that tried this. Um, they were quickly annihilated by an American attack helicopter. Um, so this is generally probably not going to be a good thing for them, um, but they are trying to do something um, about what's going on in Gaza. Uh, they're trying to do something um, to Israel to try to punish them for this. But again, this generally isn't good. We want to be moving away from militarism. We want to be moving away from blowing people up to solve our problems. So the quicker we can do that, the better. One of my favorite quotes from my podcast guest uh, yesterday was, um, oh, I lost it. But basically, to the tune of, there are so many black, uh, here it is, there are so many black swans um, flying in 2024. It's going to look like midnight in uh, the midday. And I would not, you know, I think that that really... Uh, that, that's really correct. And also another quote from Alfred Desaias, UN former UN special reporter and my former professor in Geneva says, the elite governments of the US, UK, France, Germany are disconnected from their respective populations. They stay in power because of an unholy alliance with the complicit media that lies and suppresses um, crucial information. Soon chickens will come home to roost. And speaking of chickens coming home to roost, Stuart, just on um the the articles that i've been reading from all over the place niall ferguson uh establishment historian right out there in the uk writing for council on foreign relations foreign affairs and elsewhere he wrote a piece from bloomberg on new year's eve talking about he says pax uh, americana it's, it's it's over 
my podcast guest, Vietnam Bet, says Pax, uh, the American Empire is in serious decline. China Global Times wrote a piece as well around the same time talking about how the U.S. order is just declining. So now you're seeing everyone, West, the West, the East, admitting that um, the West is seriously declining. You've got the border crisis just every day now, just the videos coming out now that I was sharing today. Representative Gates, he says um, he's showing videos of, of he's seeing the migrants come in. Uh, apparently, there was this um, uh, Johnson had this uh, speaker. Johnson had a presser right in the background, 100 feet from his uh, press event. A migrant family walks across the water into uh america it's it's just absolutely insane and so you know then the economy is is also horrible we got we're we're three minutes to midnight you know any thoughts on the decline of pax americana uh and whatnot yeah i think um it, it's probably fair to say that we're about at that point we have china ready to enter into the fold um russia perhaps on some levels um india definitely trying to increase its global reach um and india also um by the way practically entirely behind israel uh in this current conflict as well um so india is an interesting one to go and look at if if your viewers haven't seen anything on that it's an interesting one right now um but yeah i think also the 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 current state of domestic politics in the u.s combined with this global situation is what makes this especially dangerous um because if everything in the world is falling apart and everything domestically is also falling apart well how do the people in charge stay in power well they might look to the wider world um, they might try to take you to war uh, as some distraction from all of this domestic chaos that's going on and there certainly is domestic chaos uh, in the us on some levels right now i mean not everywhere but you're in those border states there are definitely some uh, big issues um then like general human issues right what do you do when you have tens of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people flooding in uh, what do you do with them how do you take care of them what what should you do with them what should be the, the the political response to all of it um you've had california that's now come out and said that they're going to provide um some form of state health care to um, undocumented people in the state of california well okay that's all well and good and pr perhaps you should look out for these people right but how is an american citizen going to look at that and feel right well how are they going to feel like they've been left out cut out of all of this that well where's my free health care um well america your free health care um is in a 850 plus billion dollar military budget so if you want three free health care uh go and reign in the pentagon go and reigning where the real power lies in the united states right and if you can do that you could turn the country around and i think i actually want to i don't know really how i could do it on a grand scale but at least on some smaller scale <clears throat> put out some kind of video where we imagine how could you use 850 billion dollars a year for literally anything except blowing people up well <laughs> can you imagine the sort of society that you could live in right we could be living in star wars right now in star trek right now that level of society that level of development but instead we're just going to keep wars rolling over for months on end years and end uh, and just keep propping up the same people in charge well i think there needs to be some grand 
reorganization of how we do things on a political level, military level, economic level. I don't know what that looks like or what that sounds like, but I think at this point it's the only option, right? We, we can't have Nancy Pelosi in charge for 40 years. We can't have Biden in charge for 40 years. Evidently, this is not how to do things, right? And same for Republicans too, right? Name your Republican who's been in office forever. Same, same with them. Um, there needs to be some grand reimagining of what we're doing on this planet because this is not working. Totally uh, agree. Always great to get an update from you, Stuart J. Hooper on X and YouTube. Uh, talk soon. Stuart, Steve Malzberg is up next. Stay tuned. Be seeing you.